Everyone loves our favorite D&D races, but sometimes change is good. Today, with special guest Alex Baum, we are going to completely reflavor the lore behind some of Dungeons & Dragons' most iconic races. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your guest, Alex Ball. And I'm your host, Ian. We hope that we hope to inspire you with creative content that you bring with you on your next adventure. That's right. I am super excited. If you guys don't know, Alex Baum has joined us more than once. She is my amazing dungeon master for Initiative and Intrigue. Alex, for those who don't know, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do in the Dungeons & Dragons world? Sure. Uh, my name is Alex Baum, and I misspelled, of course, A-E-L-X, because uh, I am incredibly dyslexic. And uh, I do Dungeons & Dragons content on TikTok and on Twitch. Um, most of the time it is a uh, dungeon master geared. Sometimes it is player geared, but it's mostly just like advice and, uh, kindness and like ideas. And, um, sometimes we'll throw things back and forth. Like we had a year long debate on our street on streams. We do like what I call interactive podcasts, which is essentially like, I'm just there talking. It's just a fancy way to say that I'm talking to chat. <laughs> we had a year long debate about whether or not a gelatinous cube was considered vegan whether or not if you <laughs> eat cube, are you still vegan never mind that it would destroy your stomach because it's literally acid just <laughs> is it vegan and we decided that gelatin it took us a year to decide that gelatinous cubes were just like jellyfish and so then we looked up jellyfish and jellyfish are in the animalia family and so gelatinous cubes are not vegan so we, we just <laughs> a so that's kind of like that's what we do I'm gonna say unless he's not a plant, so I don't see what the debate is. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's probably why it took him a year to figure it out. All right. So today we are discussing D and D race lores. We have each picked one of our favorite uh, races to completely redo the lore for either uh, to change for your Forgotten Realms game or your own homebrew to en enhance the game, or just to spark some ideas for your own stories and campaigns to to break the hold that this is the way this race is meant to be. I know that anybody that's watched the show before knows that uh, we once uh, we played a game of uh, Dawn of Worlds and ended up with some <laughs> like uh, frost dwarves or something like that. I don't well, or well, frost tieflings. I don't remember. You start with frost tieflings and the dwarves appeared. And then there's frost wars. Yes, because of uh, mating, I guess. Um, and so, <laughs> so Alex, uh, you have brought uh, the Dragonborn. Can you tell us why you uh, chose the Dragonborn? And tell us a little bit about what makes your Dragonborn different than Forgotten Realms. Well, if I remember, I think the whole inspiration for this episode and me coming on for this one, because I think this is my, my third time, was because I explained to you my own personal lore for Dragonborn, mm -hmm. and you really liked it. So uh, I created the Wayward Arrow setting, which is my own personal setting. Um, and in the Wayward Arrow setting, I was told 
early on that you need something very unique in your setting. Like you should do something like to offset you from everybody else. And kind of what I decided to do um, was I looked at all the races and I saw that Dragonborn actually didn't live that long. They didn't live long comparatively to everyone else. So I was like, why wouldn't they? And so I came up with this story uh, about the Dragonborn. So originally, uh, first were the Genasi and then the Genasi went extinct. And then whenever the gods tried a second time to create sentient beings, they created people of land, people of sea and people of sky. The people of land were my homebrew race, the Buijara. People of sea were the Tritons. And the people of the sky were the dragons. And these guys lived for a very long time. As you know, dragons lived extremely long. Right, right. Um, the, the metallic dragons, the gemstone dragons spread out and secluded themselves among the land. The metallic dragons kept to themselves and, and kept, to, kept away from a lot of the mortals. And the chromatic dragons begin to conquer. And what, what started was enslaving humans and enslaving elves and enslaving dwarves. And it kind of grew in their mind as their ego grew. The chromatic dragon's ego grew so grand that they eventually thought that they could become um, they could become gods if they go and kill the gods. Um, so the uh the Gemstone dragons were just like off on their own. They were doing their own thing. Again, they're neutral. The the metallic dragons were not helping anyone. They were kind of staying off by this by their wayside because they didn't want to die. And the chromatic dragons began to try to ascend the holy mountain to kill the gods. And the gods sent many warnings, <laughs> floods, you know, thunderstorms, massive tornadoes, and still they tried to. Um, they tried to kill the gods and the gods said, look, we're gods and you can't kill us. Therefore you will be punished. And they decided to punish all of the dragons, all of dragon kind by turning them into the thing that they detested the most mortals. And that is how you got the dragon burn. Damn. That is so good. I love it. Holy shit. So, um, I love the idea that, the dragonborn are basically cursed other races that are, or if I'm understanding, they're cur they're just cursed and say, you're stuck now. You're losing your power. Um, mm -hmm. Congratulations. You can now grow old. And can you imagine how horrible that would be? Yep. They brought it on themselves. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but some of them brought it on themselves. <laughs> So in your in the the initiative and intrigue game that you run with us, um, these are these the dragonborn you use? Yes. So these are the dragonborn that I'm using. Um, the interesting thing about the dragonborn is that they kind of um, roam the land, being hated and not really nobody really wanted to be around them because they were like, "Hey guys, we're one of you now." Like, oh god. <laughs> um, uh, some still tried to claim power, which was evil, easily, easily pushed out. Um, but the thing that was interesting is that they ended up trying to trying to be forgiven by the gods. Well, a, a portion of the dragonborn ended up trying to be forgiven by the gods. And they actually, uh, like 2000 years later, ended up holding a week long uh, ceremony, like a week long praise of the gods, trying to like explain to the gods, like, hey, we're sorry, like our ancestors did that because it was a thousand years later. 
uh, and they die after 60 years. Actually, I believe somebody can maybe correctly, but I believe Dragonborn are the shortest living creature in the uh, hammocks. I believe they're the shortest living ones. Gar but, Garwin says, imagine having your entire race cursed into becoming fruit flies. That's basically the equivalent on a human scale for dragons. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and also, thank you so much to everyone for all the love on my uh, on my lore. I, I worked really fucking hard on that, so I'm just really <laughs> happy. But um, I don't really tell people about my lore. I don't know why. I just, like, get nervous. Um I've told you but, before, you've got such an amazingly creative mind, and while it can be scary sharing, it can only grow and reinforce it, especially when you get such good positive feedback, mm -hmm. um, because people, despite what boomers think, people do like change, and sometimes we're done, done with some of the traditional stuff. That's why many of us do our own homebrew, right? Because we've done all the other stuff so much, so having amazing lore come like this is something that... I totally want to make this in my my games now because I think this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think it, the thing about homebrew is like, yes, the official main setting for fifth edition in particular is Forgotten Realms, but not everybody necessarily knows about the Forgotten Realms and mm -hmm. the material we get from like the main books. If you like the handbooks, DMG, Master Manual tend to give you more broad strokes than anything else. Yeah. It doesn't go in depth with some of the novels or some of the even some of the older publications used to in comparison. That's why I was really excited. I I, I assume since you're talking Jim Stone Dragons that you've already got Fizbin's book. Yep. And um one of and I think I said this on the show when we covered it. I want to see more books like that where it gives us all the lore and all the detail and a variety of new monsters in that category. Like I would love an entire goblin book of just oh, hundreds yeah. of different types of goblin, all their different cultures and traits and all these different things. And, and I feel like when we do homebrew for our, our stuff, we're kind of doing that, you know, and we're creating these little different, you know, uh, origins that just give us more options to say, I don't like these 99, but damn, that one by Alex is phenomenal. That's going into my story. <laughs> and also, why percent um picturing when the dragons were cursed and became dragonborn? The ones who were like, yeah, try to take good were, were complete dicks. I guess like, I'll, I'll imagine teams going, oh, so you're one of us now and killable. <laughs> yeah, so actually, uh, what's so interesting is that the the dragons that were ascending the mountain, like they killed them as they were ascending the mountain to go to the gods. Yeah. And when they actually went to go, whenever they, they became the dragonborn, um, they walked back down the mountain and they were not killed by the mortals. They were not killed by the slaves. They were killed by the other dragonborn. Which makes sense. Ooh, nice. The other Dragonborn was so angry with them that they just struck them down where they landed. Because, like, there were so many that were affected by this that had no idea that this plot was even going on. Right. We had nothing to do with this, but yet you screwed up for everyone, you dicks. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that one happened. kid in the class. It's like that one kid in the class that's like, oh, um, Charlie. Like, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, going on, we're going to move to the, the next race because we're already... Uh, halfway into our main topics timeline. Uh, I chose the gnome. Now, everyone that knows, most people were going to pick a halfling as far as like character building over a gnome just because of the innate mechanics. That has been my experience. That is not the end all be all. But um, I really like the gnomes. I think that the, the, the stories behind them are cool. 
but I've always envisioned them differently. Um, I always envisioned the, the, the halflings as these cuddly fun, you know, um, uh, two, 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 two dinners or two, uh, two breakfasts or whatever, you know, from token lore and stuff. And then there's dark sun. <laughs> then there's dark sun, right? Um, and I feel like, uh, my gnomes that I've always envisioned kind of follow that sort of theme. So for me, gnomes are small, sly and brutish creatures. They, you know, they view their, uh, other sentient races and, you know, creatures alike as objects of amusement and pleasure. Nicknamed Furion for their savage and brutal nature. They're, uh, the, the kindest among the gnomes are killers and monsters while their worst are torturers and, and terrifyingly bloodthirsty killers. Many gnomes enjoy toying with their, to and tormenting their victims before slaying them. <laughs> Those who have encountered a Furion say that they get some sort of intoxication from the fear they their victims release and because of this they will stalk their prey taunting and promising they just want to play and won't hurt them <laughs> that they just want to talk for a moment even while sticking a blade into their prey with a smile and gleeful laughter you can Hear their pleasure in their giggles, their laughs, and their cackles as they stalk you in the darkness. When Furion gather and hunt in groups, the echoes of their maniacal laughs can send shivers and chills down the spine of even the most courageous of heroes. <laughs> Like a pack of stalking hyenas. If you hear their cackles, it's best to get away. Though some believe that once a Furion has chosen you as its target, it will stalk you until either it dies or you do. Many stories have come from encounters with gnomes, a.k.a. the Furions. Even a child's poem formed to give warning to all. Beware the echoes of savage joy, otherwise you'll end up a tormented toy. <laughs> That is how I envision gnomes for me. Um, and honestly, I inspired this totally by the Chucky doll. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched that growing up in Child's Play. Um, very much uh, what I what I was going for. What do you think, uh, Alex? Okay. My, my immediate thought is... Um, this is going to sound so weird. My immediate thought is that group of players that like um always go for the money. You know like 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 those chaotic neutral players who like will pickpocket the person that they're trying to help and like they'll like like just throw one of these at them. Just like pfft. Like, yes. that would be so fun. And like the other thing that I thought of is did either one of you watch the show Firefly? Of course. You know I Reavers? Did a long yep. time ago. Uh, are they like little gnome really killers? Oh no! Really oh. reminds me of Reavers, and so my instant thought is to build an entire plot line around discovering why the Furies become the Furies, and like, what does that mean? Like, where does that go? Like, was there something that happened a long time ago? Do they drink the Kool Aid as a kid? Like, what's going on? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, and uh, Firefly, do you know how Reavers clean their spears? They put them through the wash. 
Ugh. Oh my god, that's horrible. That's a that's horrible bad. joke. That's bad, dude. Yep. That's really bad. So <laughs> when I was thinking of this, one, another thing that came to mind is Hunger Games. Like in my mind, when they're growing up, that's the that's the 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 um step into adulthood is you're tossed into an arena with a bunch of the people you grew up with and they just massacre each other till the strongest survives. And that's why they're so brutal. And that just becomes the normal. And um, I can't 100% take credit for that. Obviously, Hunger Games has done it. Um, what the, what is the the Black Clover anime did it? There's a group where they do this uh, the, the, do the same thing. So I know it's not a super original idea, but I really enjoyed uh, <laughs> the wash joke, man. That's killing me. <laughs> um, I really enjoy uh, enjoy the sort of um, murder sense, and I think it goes beyond just the typical like barbarian class, right? Because you always see the barbarian class as this murderer um, type style but seeing it as like a wizard or even a cleric who 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 delved into the the arts of divine to follow a deity of torture or something like that you know what i mean so it's more than just like what you typically think of just you know barbarian beat em up type uh, races so at least in my mind what do you think ian no more wash jokes please yeah uh, no promises uh, anyway <laughs> Like I was saying before, when I read through this, the very first thing I thought actually was like they seemed to me similar to the Halflings of the Dark Sun thing, mm-hmm. but but I don't mean that in a bad way too. Right, right. And this is something that we see personality wise that definitely differentiate what you expect from gnomes in general. So, and I could definitely see. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually now uh, picturing these gnomes as like uh, Edward Elric, who keeps being told they're short. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good one. And they just never stop being angry. <laughs> I like that. So, um, so obviously mine's not nearly as in depth as the awesome one that uh, Alex has there. I feel like I could have did a little bit better job now, but well, the goal here is to inspire. Mine since like 2000. I, I created. I came up with that lore in like 2016, and I've been like refining it ever since. So like, and that's the secret too, right? Um, is being don't listen. To- don't listen to uh justin i love ian's bad joke whatever uh so and but that's the that's the thing right when you are building your own origins and then building off of it and improving it and refining it over time that's how you get something that is just in engaging and memorable and something that you will want to use over and over and you know other people will want to include in their games as well Mm -hmm. um all right ian what did you choose I actually went back and forth on this for a while, okay. and I almost did a cop-out and recycled my doors from our uh, Dawn of uh, Worlds episode, but I ended up going with a race I don't feel like I see very often, and I definitely think their racial ability needs to be refined a little bit more. Goliath. Because, like, uh, let's be all real here. As cool as they are, how many times, anyway... Have you seen them? I don't think very much. So if I, let's not see what we, we can do here. So what did you do? Let's hear it. Well, they're still large humanoids. Because, like, I mean, that's kind of their entire thing. Why change that? There's, that's their thing. Yep, I get it. Whose circumstances, however, of their birth are rather mysterious. As far as that can be observed, a spirit-like being will become attached to a stone, if you will, causing it to glow. And eventually, it starts growing a flesh-like substance around the stone core, if you will, and eventually produces a Goliath with their skin taking on an appearance and properties similar to what the stone core was. So, like, those who, like, in Obsidian, for example, might, well, they kind of have, like, the Obsidian finish, if you will, to their skin, and so on and so forth. I like that. 
That fixes the stone's endurance feature too. That's kind of what I kind of built off that, yeah. But it's I love it. That's right, little that's on the nose. Right. And they also wander the world on their own, learning as a journey. And they tend to come across as distant to most, but at the same time, they have a childlike curiosity with a strong desire to learn as much as possible and grow their skills. I like that. And they, as a result, they don't tend to often grow attachments, if you will, to other beings. But those that they do are, well, they have a dedicated friend for life. <laughs> hmm. And they also tend to fall more towards logic in regards to their decision-making, and they tend to be non-confrontational, but... If, Goliath with logic? <laughs> but if spurred into action, they tend to be quick and decisive in their methodology. <laughs> <laughs> Take that interpretation as you will. So you turn them on their head, quite literally. Well... I still pulled like some of their lore, but decided to like put a new twist on it. Yeah. And each individual tends to try to find a place in their walk in, in life. And they, of course, tend to go different routes depending on what their experience is. But when they choose a person to focus, they tend to be well respected in that area because mm -hmm. they're very much like, I'm going to be good at this thing. <laughs> so they, they basically pick a, a, a goal in life or a thing that they want to do and they dedicate their life to it. Yep. That to me is really, really cool because that takes a different approach because, you know, the the current lore for the Goliath is very much uh, a mountain, mountain. Yep. I, I got a word, but I can't think of it right now. Hermit, <laughs> mountain hermits. Well, Ma mountain hermits. Hermits. I want to go as far as to say it's hermit because when you read the lore, they're very much a tribal-based society, but they also so tend to become very dedicated to, I'm going to be good at the thing because my tribe's survival depends on it <laughs> that's very good i also like the childlike enthusiasm um that coming out of a monstrously giant character just is i think adorable like an innocence about them that you wouldn't expect what do you think alex so i think one of the reasons that like kenku and kalashar are such loved and and highly played or like goblins or, or mm -hmm. kobolds is because they're high fantasy Right. Like you're not an elf, you're not a you're not a human. It's it's high fantasy, and this to me is like high fantasy. This to me is like, oh yeah, I want to play that. I want to be different. I want to be unique. I want to be a rock with a bunch of flesh around it. Like I see, I love that. That is such a and nice. See, like that's why I really love this is because like I think that the reason why other people choose those uh, those high fantasy uh, character player character races is because they want to get away from the the everyday they want to get away from the mundane i mean i'm playing dungeons and dragons right <laughs> so like me this is great because this is super high fantasy uh -huh. yeah and i think it fits the theme really well because um he tied it into one of their mechanic 5e mechanics which is stones endurance well, and that yeah. to me is really really cool and I have a suspicion that Stones and Endurance is going to get a huge revamp during the 50th anniversary. <laughs> Let's hope not. I like the way it works. I actually feel it's underpowered the way it works. Oh, really? I mean, it's fine as I it can is see that. at low levels. It needs to scale. Exactly. It doesn't scale. Mm. I, you know what? I agree with that. I, it, does, I, it scales very poorly. Because I can see it. I can see them going two ways about it. Like either. Like uh, increasing the die as you level up, or I think they'll probably though end up going the proficiency score route that we were seeing a lot lately. Yep, 
I think that that's probably the best way to do it right now. I had a long discussion. Uh, this is a short tirade, but uh, I had a discussion in a Discord community, which you can come join for free. Just head on over to our website and yeah. do all that jazz. Also, you know, join uh, Alex's Discord because it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so um, the thing that I, I like about the new um, way they're going with the a proficiency modifier is it's great for classes that don't have one primary stat um, because – when you scale and get ability access based on proficiency, eventually you max out at six. But unless most of the abilities right now, if you don't get to level 20 or stats in 20, mm -hmm. you don't get the full five uses of whatever that feature is. But that's harder to get when you have classes that have to focus on strength and charisma and constitution, you know. So I think that that's just a better way to do it, though it does make them a little weaker in the early levels. All right, that was my rant. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, obviously when it comes to creating your, uh, taking the existing races and altering them to make your own flavor, part of the fun of it is changing it from what we typically know and adding it, uh, unexpected changes. Like I never would have thought to give, uh, make dragonborn, uh, cursed dragons that not only lost their immortality, they lost their ability to fly, they lost their damn tails, and by the way, they suck now <laughs> compared to what they could do. And that to me is just mind-boggling alteration. But it, it it's honestly, I I like it better than the current uh, current lore. And the same thing goes with the the curiosity of the Goliaths. That's not something I would ever thought to give. You know, having a big giant person whose skin is almost different varieties of stone which by the way if you haven't played the old game wildstar they had granox in there that were just like that like you could be like different your stone monsters right um and changing the lore to 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 fit the need of your world is just one of the best parts about being a content creator and a dungeon master in creating your own world um alex did you have any other final thoughts on going above and beyond and alternate alter creating alternative race lore for Dungeons and Dragons. So I just saw someone say, if you don't mind, if I go off a comment that, that we need to rewrite half elf origin info mm -hmm. so that, uh, so that it, it isn't only human. And I absolutely agree with that. Something that I'm hoping that they bring in, in 5.5 is a way to mix and match uh, races uh, that are able to be mixed and matched and so that half elf can be half elf and half orc. Cause I have, I have a character that I like named Yazgash. She's one of my person. She, she was actually the first, uh, PC I ever played. And, uh, she is half elf and half orc. And so mm -hmm. I definitely think that that's something that would be very, very interesting to do. Well, I know. And I mentioned this in chat earlier, but in Pathfinder second edition, they actually made being half elf or half orc, a racial feat. <laughs> They can drop on anybody. <laughs> That's interesting. I like That's that. Fun. And of course, in uh, Pathfinder Second Edition, they made everything a feat. So <laughs> that's also true. Um, so we've actually talked about that before, where even in the current rules, while there wouldn't be no mechanical benefit, you can easily describe that that inherit that inherited features on your character. Yeah. Uh, I once played a a half orc that looked just like a human. With small, one small difference, they had giant, you know, tusks. Giant tusks for a human, right? They're pretty big. But that was the only giveaway that they had orc in them. And that mechanically didn't change me from the, the orc, half-orc stat block. 
Um, but it gave me the flavor I was looking for. So I agree with Alex. Having a way to include that mechanically would be really nice. Uh, Dalsinia says, in the Critical Role lore, half-orcs of Roshana are actually half-drow, which I had never seen before. That is cool. I did not know that. I'm not thinking about a meme I saw full around for a little bit. of like, a, And there was like an artwork. We saw like, like a childlike uh, orc-ish figure. Mm -hmm. But the doll like was like, DM, no, you're... Half orc cannot be a half dwarf, but then it ended angry. But then you saw this child like uh, orc character like, like have like a angry but cute like looking like a, a angry like shouting. What else captioned angry orf noises? <laughs> Is a half orc and half elf a fork? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going with that moving forward. Yep, okay, so <laughs> go ahead. You were gonna say something. Oh no, I'm good. Okay. All right. So I think that'll do it for our main topic. Obviously, this is something that we could expand upon by rewriting all the lore. Um, and I, I, if you've written any unique lore and you want to share it, uh, tag us on a Facebook, send it via email, Twitter, whatever social media, come drop us in a, a Discord and, and share. I love hearing what people have created. That's one of the best parts about being in the tabletop uh industry in some way is sharing uh uh the the worlds that we've created so <laughs> four orcs that too is a fork <laughs> you guys you're slaying me all right so before we we uh move on that'll do it for our main topic before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks i have to open this up we have a message from our sponsor manscaped Support for Crit Academy is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world? Manscaped offers precision engineering that even an artificer would approve. Tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Yep, you heard that right. The 4.0, which means it's been at least four other versions. <laughs> I wonder if they, if they yep. were as good. <laughs> Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Go to manscaped.com and use the code CRIT, C-R-I-T, for 25% off and free shipping. Don't roll in that one. <laughs> Manscaped Engineering, the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfort grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe. I bet you the your Goliaths have no problem with that. Nope. Uh, technology. <laughs> I know. I now feel confident shaving my boys. <laughs> this upgrade sure includes a multifunction on-off switch that can be en engage a travel lock, if you will. It also gives you the ability to turn on the 400K LED spotlight on and off when you need a more precise shave. Men, if you've been shaving with same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. <laughs> and uh, not to mention, who really wants to put a razor blade by the family jewels? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time. And enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIT at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And once again, using the code CRIT. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Alrighty, guys and gals and anyone in between. Uh, today's character concept is Anil Vilejaw, male gnome. Not anal, Alicia. She literally asked me, why does your gnome named anal? <laughs> There's an E in there. I know. I just want to say the last name Vilejaw. That's, I'm stealing that. That's good. <laughs> That's a good last name. I like that a lot. Thanks. Anyway, Vilejaw here. He wears a gray costume with the arcane symbols on his torso. He carries a battered tree branch and tarnished pickaxe as well. He has dyed his graying hair a little too much, giving it a sharp chestnut color. His otherwise smooth face and balding head is marked with dozens of tiny scars because I didn't use Manscaped. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Personality, he believes mankind has become decadent and spoiled by the march of civilization and an end should come to life as we know it. When triggered, he is a bloodthirsty maniac, stopping at nothing and killing everything in the area. So you're a standard player character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vilejaw has lived on a farm with his father, near the main road leading to a nearby town. Aside from being a slave or a gladiator, there isn't much legitimate work for Justin's gnomes and Anil's homeland. <laughs> and Anil decides That's to nice. take the uh, middle way and become a bodyguard for some shitty people. Recently, he has begun working with bootleggers and crooks. His motivation, his blood pushes him to battle. While he can stave it off most of the time, he seeks a way to quench or sate the thrill of battle. Okay, I'm actually, after reading this uh, character description, what I thought about was like uh, like the picture you saw online of a military personnel having like a holstered attack dog, if you will. Oh, Because nice. they're carrying it on the strip on the waist. I'm now picturing them doing a it with gnomes. gnomes? <laughs> Your Goliath has a gnome that it turns loose like a little anking but ankle biting chihuahua. Let me out, let me out, let me out. You do not want let me let this guy loose. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Okay, so the so the first thing that I thought of was you remember in cartoons whenever someone would like go to like beat the shit out of another person and the person would like they're really short so the person would like hold them at an arm's length and they couldn't get to them they're like holding them by their head and they're like let me at him let me at him and like the person's like no calm down that's literally all i can imagine with this guy i imagine i seriously i'm not kidding my party specifically my wednesday game would adopt this guy Nice. Like, I, absolutely would adopt him and be like hey we'll satiate uh... your need to kill things if you pickpocket for us and like oh, ooh, get us some nice. gold, like that totally like, oh my God. I will also say it's not just a cartoon thing. I may or may not have done that with a uh, under five foot Filipino in my martial arts class and she hated it. <laughs> <laughs> just hold them away. I've been in a fight where people have done that to me because I used to be small. I know I don't look like it now, but <laughs> I used to be. This would make for a good criminal gladiator. I agree, Andrew. Uh, 
uh, not that I'm recalling how she hated the uh, practicing with me because I realized all I had to do to escape her like uh, arm bars and locks was stand up. That's that <laughs> because she was so that's tiny. So mean, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like wait a second. <laughs> all you right, know where so else I'm... I see this guy? Sorry, you know where else I see this guy? I see this guy as as like like um. So I have a character named Lady Red, and she's the head of a smuggling group. And mm-hmm. like, if she has a prisoner, she's like, "I'm gonna release the beast if you don't like if you don't." And then they're like, "Yeah, do it, release the beast." And then this gnome comes out, and, and then he's like, "It's a gnome." And then like, it's not just a gnome, man. You know what I mean? Like a torture. Like that. I also see him there. And this, uh, and obviously you'll notice there's a theme with gnomes because that's what was on my mind when I was writing a bunch of this stuff. But uh, this reminds me in Mortal Kombat, there's a character you can be that's a big Goliath guy with a gnome that crawls on his back. I don't know that it's a gnome, but it's a really tiny person that just jumps and he beats the person with him. And it just, I think that something like this would be awesome. Anyways, uh, I think that'll do it for Anil Vilejaw. Thank you, Alex, for complimenting the name. <laughs> Alex, would you like to tell us about our monster variant today? Sure. So we're talking about gnomes. So let's talk about more gnomes. The uh, <laughs> Furion that we had just discussed. This is the this is kind of the stat block for the Furion. So uh, it is a deep known gnome. Um, it has stone camouflage and innate spellcasting and war pick, and then it has deception, intimidate, and self. But my my I, my personal favorite is uh, the maniacal laughter, which you can do two every. I'm guessing long rest. Yep. Um, as a bonus action on its turn, the Furion can enter into a fit of maniacal laughter that lasts for one minute. While laughing, the Furion gains advantage on all melee weapon rolls. And it's just like, oh, damn, like coming at you <laughs> with the butcher knife. Oh, my God. Uh, but attack rolls against it have advantage. Cool. Um, additionally, if the Furion drops to zero hit points while laughing, it must make a constitution saving throw with a DC of five with the DC of five plus the damage taken unless the damage is from a critical hit. On a success, the Furion drops to one hit point instead of zero. So it could just be in such a fit of like crazy. <laughs> That it just doesn't die. Like, it's just too crazy to die. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and then <laughs> Butcher Knife. Compliments on Butcher Knife, my dude. Solid oh, choice, my friend. Thank you. I'm glad you um, appreciate that. <laughs> melee weapon attack. And then plus four to hit. Five reach. One target. Normal, normal. Uh, a Is that a D4? Uh, Wait, or, or no. D6 plus two. Sorry. Uh, there's a plus sign and I got thrown off. No, my bad. Um, I yeah, that was a typo. Here, let me. No, you're fine. Oh, I'm um, <laughs> uh, one d six plus two, so pretty pretty nice damage. But I mean, like whenever you, whenever you put it with the maniacal laughter, I feel like it goes above cr one half, because like that damage is definitely like cr one cr one half. But whenever you mm-hmm. give it the maniacal laughter on top of it, that puts it above that. Um, it is slashing damage, uh, and the target loses two hit points from bleeding at the start of each, uh, bleeding, yes, uh, bleeding at the start of each of its turns for six rounds. A creature can take an action to staunch the bleeding on itself or an adjacent ally with a successful DC 12 wisdom medicine check. Um, the bleeding also stops if the creature receives any magical healing. So bleed action, lovely, amazing. And then fun fact, legendary actions. Um, you can give legendary actions to baby monsters. It's great. 
Um, the Furion can take two legendary actions, choosing from the options below. Uh, only one can be used at a time, and then um, it's at the end of another creature's turn, and then, you know, you get it back. Uh, one, detect. You can make a perception check. And then two, imposing laughter. The Furion laughs, cackles, and intimidates the enemy. Any creature within 30 feet of the Furion must succeed on a DC 12 wisdom saving throw or be frightened until the end of their next turn. So the Furion's next turn. No, is it the Furion's next turn or the player's? Uh, to the end of their next turn and the Furion gains hit points. Not the so it's t- Yes, <laughs> I, I had one. Who's there? Is there the person making the, the saving throw? Making the throw? wisdom saving throw, yes. Okay. So, because uh, that was, that's a little, con- sorry, that confused me. Um, To the end of the Furion. And then uh, gain- the Furion gains 1d4 temporary hit points that last for one minute. So not only does this guy sit there and laugh at you and make you afraid of him, he laughs at you so hard that he makes himself more healthy. He, he, he gets... Ew, he gets pleasure off of, he gets so much pleasure off of making you scared that he gains hit points. Yep. <laughs> and I think that goes back to the lore that I wrote that says they get some sort of uh, um, glee or um, emotional response from the smell of fear, right? Wow, uh, yeah, this kind of feels like a kink now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I love it. I love it. But like, you know, that's like where my brain goes. No. My brain's immediately like, oh, like, oh, like you get off on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dulcinea says laughter is the best medicine taken to the extreme. You ain't it, wrong. Yes, exactly. It that's is. Right. It is exact. That's exactly what this is. It's laughter is the best medicine. Uh, not even saying about the way it's that. The, this could be role play. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, please <laughs> let's keep it at least rated R. <laughs> no more than R. All right, so this monster is a lot of fun. I'm really interested. You mentioned it pushing up the CR. Why is so? That? Like, I would, I would actually put this at CR too. Like, this reminds me of like Nilbog. This reminds because you know Nilbog's on my mind, no doubt, because we just right, did right, it. Right, right. Spoiler did alert it. for anyone that hasn't watched uh, Initiative Intrigues that Justin is in. Uh, Nilbog are involved. It's awesome. You should. It's a great time to binge watch it. Um, mm-hmm. so. This reminds me of like a Nilbog, like Hobgoblin Captain, mm-hmm. where like the hits are still kind of weak, but there's other stuff going on in there that it's like, oh, it doesn't matter that the hits are weak. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's funny you say that because um, the uh, CR is typically calculated based on four primary attributes, none of which are not static uh stats so technically it still falls within the 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 approved cr of the deep gnome stat block and Um, but the fact that it does get boosted advantage is also offset by the fact that attacks against it have disadvantage too right and it's also worth noting too that the uh, the ways we are given to calculate cr in the dmg is iffy and (laughs) is a cliff notes version and it's been pointing out it's not always consistent like yeah and that's part of the reason why, because their calculation isn't super great. Like, I've actually seen people, like, try to reverse engineer to see how well it works by taking already existing monsters and, and th- through it through the equation. 
and they came out with a completely different CR than what's officially in the book. Like, yep. wait a second. <laughs> it's like they didn't follow their own rules. Anyways, I really love this idea. I love this monster. I had a blast uh, um, designing it, and I did steal features from other things. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the, the the CR increase due to survival, too. I stole that ability from the uh, the for Undead Fortitude feature. So mm. I basically just gave him a feature of one of the lowest uh, zombie monsters. And um, mm. it was exciting. Like, he's just like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like chilling after people. I still remember one time where my players were fighting zombies and there was one left, but the last one would not die because it kept on making it save. <laughs> yep. And that, that's... I've had that happen as well. And sometimes that's the best part, though, because then they just don't know if you're 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 calling bs on their hit points or or always rolling or chance sometimes is just not on the player's uh, no. side so uh all right that'll do it for our monster variant the furion thank you for covering it alex if you like this monster and you'd like to see more every time i design something like this i not only put it in a really nice stat block i give it really beautiful art and amazing lore and i make it available to our patrons so consider heading on over to patreon.com slash crit academy uh we are up to 150 very nicely published monsters so uh consider checking that out if you'd like to see more this one will release on tuesday i think or or yeah all right uh our encounter of the podcast is the boat eater now i'm going to be honest i did not come up with this 100 percent. i rewrote something that was inspired by a tiktoker known as the plot doctor if you're on tiktok follow him the guy isn't effing genius so the characters arrive in a small coastal town of twin rivers Yes, after two rivers, because that's what I was thinking about at the time. At the center of the city is a massive spike-like uh, totem. At its peak is a large skull of an unknown creature. A character who succeeds on a DC-18 intelligence uh, nature check, um, or if they have um, uh, the sailor background, I forgot to include that, um, they're able to identify the skull as belonging to a long-necked sea creature known as a plesiosaurus. If the character fails the check by five or more, they misidentify the skull as belonging to a giant aquatic constrictor snake. A character with a sailor... Oh, I did include that in there. I just added it a little late. Um, characters hear rumors that the be monstrous beast known as the Navaruda, a boat eater, has been attacking and destroying fishing boats for years. The locals hired an adventuring party to destroy the beast about a week ago. Starting a few nights ago, though the area began to rumble as the 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 yeah, I said horn the skull resonated with an eerie cry the area is been begins to be covered in mist now the number of fishing boats that have been disappearing have increased at an alarming rate since its slaying the town elder nikolai hartfin a commoner believes that another navaruda must be present likely the mate of the one that the adventurers had slain that would explain the sudden increase in attacks. The characters are hired to take out the second one to end the loss of life the fishermen are experiencing. He provides anything the characters request within reason. Once the characters navigate and locate or set a trap to lure in the creature, they learn the truth. The bellowing, resonating sound isn't coming from the skull itself. 
It's coming from the creature's parent, a much larger adult Navaruda, or use giant star stat block, uh, shark stat block. Every night since the creature's younger offspring was killed, it bellows and releases a low-pinched parenting call. When it's close enough to the town, the skull resonates at the same low frequency, causing objects around it in, to tremble. The mist is a regional effect from the adult Navaruda when it is within a mile of the town. This makes me really sad. <laughs> man, like, dude, you want to pull on your player's heartstrings, my man? This is, this is how you do it. I actually thought of two things when I read this one. One of the classic tale of Beowulf, because people keep forgetting, oh, Grendel was the child. Yeah. <laughs> he had a mom who was bigger. And she's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and also reminds me of, like, in the board working king of tokyo this is kind of like the reverse of, of this but there's a car that they can buy potentially where if you die you basically reset your health back to 10 with none of your upgrades and the card's called it has a child <laughs> <laughs> overall this was a, a, a fun write-up uh, once again i took the the plot from uh the plot doctor so definitely check him out and i went and i i did change a few things but uh i think he's like an orca or something but uh, i fleshed it out so you can use it you can head on over to criticamy.com and find the blog for this episode and you can uh copy and paste this and use it in one of your stories and campaigns um and yes uh alex i am a bit of a moral ambiguity dick um so that's certainly uh what i wanted to focus on here so why i was drawn to it yeah. oh i love it but like <laughs> oh my heart but i love it <laughs> I, I also like that there's a, uh, a you're basically also cleaning up the mess another group of adventures made um, mm -hmm. because of their actions and not fully ensuring that they did the job right, which how many of our adventurers do that? Now I'm thinking about like right. the shield hero where the main character another adventurer's mess because they killed a dragon. Yes. But because they didn't clean up the corpse, a plague started <laughs> spreading through the area. Yep. And he had to come clean it up. Yep. I love it. If you've not seen the anime Rising of a Shield Hero, it's awesome. You need to check it out. I have never had an anime that had a moment that a character got exactly what they effing deserved more <laughs> than in that show. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Amazing. And the part I found hilarious, too, was uh, one particular website actually got flamed for this, MA News Network. They got grilled hardcore for saying, I don't like what they did with that character because of so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but dude, you're taking this way too seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our encounter, uh, The Boat Eater. That was a good name. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Our magic item today is Nature's Poltice. I can never pronounce that. Poultice? Poultice. It is a wondrous item that's common. This wood container is three inches in diameter and it contains 1d4 plus 1 doses of a thick mixture that smells faintly of autumn leaves. The container and its contents weighs about a half a pound. As an action, one dose can be applied to the skin. The creature that receives it gains 2d4 temporary hit points that last for one hour, and they cease to be poisoned. Simple, effective, and also gives an actual poison when it comes to actually getting actual health back. Yeah, um... This is really simple, and honestly, this is a result of me making the, uh, the... That one rogue? No, the wizard... 
It started off with the the wizard emerald conclave wizard that okay. I made for the thing, but I think it finally did make it into the sawbones rogue that I designed. Well, some variation of this, anyway. um, yeah. So, anyways, this is something that uh, I feel like is necessary um, for a number of reasons. The fact that it's multiple use and it can be a common item uh, is a a really uh, a great um, tool if you want to include more use of the herbalism kit. And the other thing too is the fact that it gives you temporary hit points means the players can't spam it over and over again. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the one of the big points of the feature. I mean, they can. They just uh, they run out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it can be more readily available than a potion. Yeah. Um, because it's made a natural. I think in the feature I made for the Sawbones Rogue, which if you're interested in providing any feedback or anything on our, our uh, character creations, you can head on over to our YouTube channel under the community guide uh, area. There's posts there with links directly to those documents. One's a uh, the Sawbones Rogue, which is one that specializes with the herbalism kit, making nature's poultice and some other things. Uh, and then there's the Emerald Conclave Wizard, which is a wizard who uses a bow and arrow and delivers touch attacks from a range. There's the uh, the Ranger that is a trap master. I think I call him a huntsman right now. But uh, And I've been recently streaming uh, the building process that I do going through this and including the, the audience in those, uh, the, the feedback and design. So you can actually sit and see how much work actually goes into making one of those things. And it's a lot. I don't get very far in those videos. <laughs> uh, all right. I've rambled on enough, uh, that do you have any uh, thoughts on this, uh, Alex? Just that I like it. It's like, it's pretty simple. It's pretty like again like it's a common magic item so it can't be like super mm -hmm. but it's it's solid like you know what i mean <laughs> i do i like I'm, I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back here for the fact that it smells faintly of autumn leaves because i really i i really like that I that was that really was nice. fun <laughs> uh i would like you to know silver wolf thinks alex your cat is cute and i i agree this is Uskar. He is actually named after my boyfriend's player character in a game that we played together. That's awesome and adorable as all hell. I guess I should, I've never I've never included my animals in in uh, my games, but I totally have the perfect character for my dog Buck. I'll make him a raging uh... barbarian bandit captain who's a dick. <laughs> and runs his mouth incessantly. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> all right. Oh, I think uh no, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our magic item, the Nature's Poultice. Very simple and effective. Our Dungeon Master tip of the day is swift but deadly combat. It's pretty well known that combat in most RPGs can take a ridiculous amount of time. This has been a thing for a long time, pun intended. The nature of turn-based combat makes it slow. Let's assume you're running a game with five players and a dungeon master. If each person starts and finishes their turn in one to two minutes, the DM spends two to three minutes on their turn with all the monsters. You're looking at a single round of combat running a minimum of five minutes up to and past ten minutes before it's your turn. While this is certainly part of the game, who doesn't enjoy having more combat encounters per session? Right, Ian? Oh, yeah. Mm. While there are a myriad of ways to handle this, in the end, it comes down to a roll of the dice. With an entire turn passing uh, and nobody gets hit, it can hit the big bad, well, then you're going to be stuck in combat for a lot longer. So, 
I was reading an old dungeon magazine. If you have not read these, dear my gosh, they have so much amazing lore and knowledge and tips. You need to check them out. Uh, it simply, uh, I found an interesting concept that I think could really, really work. It simply revolves around turning all attack misses into hits that do the lowest damage on an attack can do. Now, this immediately makes the game go faster as each hit still lands and the NPC or the monster or character loses hit points. Since hit points aren't meat points, this can easily be explained uh, explain the, the pushed battle and trading, tra trading blocked blows back and forth. You know, this concept is great because it acts almost like a constant countdown timer, a consistent countdown timer, so long as someone isn't incapacitated. No matter how many misses, the battle is being brought closer and closer to its end. This would likely work best in a battle with many uh, um, opponents, especially weaker minions, because um, they're likely to be brought down... Uh, in less turns because they're taking damage consistently. While I have not personally used this yet, it is certainly appealing to for groups who want to have a lot of combat encounters, and it is something that I am planning on trying to do in my one of my next games. I'm certainly going to give it a shot. I would love to hear what Alex and Ian have to say on the subject. This actually made me think of a couple things. One of them was like, a, especially early on, the early material fourth edition in combat was notorious for taking a long time mm -hmm. and the common fix if you will was a lot of dms started like, cutting the hp of monsters in half mm -hmm. but they doubled the damage i do that i do that exact thing right and, <laughs> and i also remember in the uh the secrets out yep i also remember during the playtest for fifth edition the fighter at one point had an ability where even if they missed their opponent, they did their strength damage mm -hmm. as damage, which lets you have a lot of uh, hilarious instances of like uh, the during the place of the adventure, we fought kobolds who had two HP, but the fighter, fighter template had a plus three to their strength modifier. Mm -hmm. So like as a range, as a kind of like half running joke, half me just being like, whatever. Ian, what do you do on your turn? I kill a kobold. This <laughs> <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> Are you gonna roll? Okay. Now you like my dice. I kill a kobold. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Oh no, I miss. I do three damage. They only have two health. I kill a kobold. <laughs> Delcinia says, um, <laughs> as someone who does mock combat, blocking fucking hurts. Alex, what do you think? So, like my my initial thought is, I would love this if I I would I would do this if I had a party that was almost that was combat like was half casters, but to do this to a full caster, to do this to somebody that has access to fireball, to do this to have somebody that has access to like finger of uh, what is it finger of death or something that I somebody disintegrate that's that's what I'm thinking of uh, that. That to me would like throw the balance way too far, in my opinion. Um, and so I would do this for like, and say if you only did it for melee attacks and you had full casters, the full casters would feel slighted, you know? So, like, that's my big thing. But I actually am creating a one shot group. I'm well, it's not really a one shot group, it's a uh, episodic group mm -hmm. where they do they do one shots since the same party and they have like 
relationships and stuff, but it's once a month. And the reason why I'm creating this is actually to like dry run, test run things Mm -hmm. for things for the, um, for the show. Like that's the whole point of this, of this, uh, group is to test things for the show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is something that I will probably like try to, uh, test with them because yeah. this sounds really interesting. I just don't know how it would work with full casters. For, for clarification, it's meant to only be with uh, weapon attacks. Okay, um, then, then I love casters it. <laughs> all, because casters already get that because when you make a save, most of them still do damage and stuff on a save. So right. um, that's not always true, but that's the most of them. So this was uh, when I, and I obviously didn't make that clear. The intent was that it's weapon attacks only. Some something that we could do too, and I only thought about this because we mentioned Pathfinder Second Edition earlier, mm-hmm. is the way they have it set up is they have like a scale, they have scaling, if you will, where okay, if you succeed or fail by this much, mm-hmm. like one thing you could do is like if you don't hit the AC, you might miss as usual, but you might apply this if you still miss, but you fail by less than five. Okay. I'm I like saying, that. I'm just saying that's a option. Yeah, so that's kind of like mm-hmm. glancing blows, right? Where yeah. you don't hit the AC, but you get close enough to inflict something. That could be a way to do it too. That does sound like you got more tracking to do though, because then you got to figure out. Oh well, I got to go and see. Okay, their AC is this. This is what they rolled. And now you're starting to see what people complain about Pathfinder Two about. <laughs> <laughs> Since you mentioned it, um, I'm gonna let the audience know we are planning on doing an episode um, on Pathfinder Two, and and. If that's something you're interested in, you would like us to see do as these little pocket episodes of other tabletop RPG games, please let us know. Um, that's something we're planning on experimenting with next year, so hopefully it goes well, because trying to fit an entire game into an hour is probably not going to be super great, but we're going to try. All right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, uh, swift but deadly combat. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. You can avoid- <laughs> nice try. I got it that time. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Uh, Alex, uh, you can avoid dickitude by listening to Alex. Hello. Um, so developing your character into somebody who has a rich story can be fun and rewarding process. You likely have an idea of what race and what class you want to play, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you uh sorry, dyslexia, but you might have only a general idea of what your character's life was like before you started playing uh, the character at the gaming table, like right there. Um, A theme can help you flesh out your character and provide you with some interesting options for developing his or her background. Your character's theme is like a career or a calling or an identity or something that they love. And that describes who he or she is in just a couple of words. Um, Just as a race or a class uh, creates a basic class create basic definitions about who your character is the theme as a third character component to help refine your story and identity this can be expanded on this can expand on your background in much more detail for instance a sage background is a studied individual right but you can add to the theme to your character and add a complexity and make it clear, clearly visible to all. In the case of a sage, maybe the character takes uh, an express interest in magical potions. This could explain why they became a class uh, that can channel spells such as a druid, a sorcerer, or a wizard. 
if the player decides decides to be a wizard, you can flavor the spells to mix them with to mix concoctions, and then you do the spell, um, allowing you to add the theme to your spells. For instance, casting fireball may be throwing a vial of explosive liquids, or charm or a charmed person effect could rise from removing the stopper from an intoxicating fragrance that comes uh, from a corked glass container. A theme can embrace characters of different classes as well. For example, an alchemist uh, character, uh, for example, many alchemist characters are wizards, but rogues with a particular interest in providing his or own means to disappearing quickly might pick up a few more formulas and learn how to make them. Uh, another one, a ninja snoke bomb used when they take the hide action. Now, see, I love this. And... The reason why I love this is because one of the ways that I always get people to do their character backgrounds is I, whenever I help newbies try to do their backgrounds, instead of working from like birthed forward, I tend to try to pick like an item from their background that they want to be really big. And there's actually a thing in Xanathar's Guide to everything. There's a, there's like sheets, there's um charts in Xanathar's Guide to everything that have a bunch of like really interesting, cool, nifty things that you could like pinpoint. And I actually don't tell people to roll. I tell them to read the chart and pick one is neat, neat to you. So how I would, how I would use this idea and like, this is a really good idea. How I would do this is like, I would go to the Xanathar's Guide and find something that sounds like something that you want. And then that's your theme. So like my sister was kidnapped and then it's like, that's your theme. Like, there you mm -hmm. go. And I, I really like this. I think that that's like, I think that that is a really, really good idea. And I like how it can shape not only your role play, but your combat. Absolutely. What do you think, Ian? I do think like um, overall is is a good idea, and we always touch on reflavoring a lot, and mm -hmm. this just doubles down on it. Yeah, and I, I really like this because um, I believe backgrounds are one of the best aspects to come out of fourth and fifth edition, and that those, regardless of what class you should play, should be involved in the class dynamic. So. Uh, sailor is another popular one, right? If I was to play a sailor fighter, I wasn't gonna, I'm not gonna pick a fucking sword as my weapon. I'm gonna be swinging around an anchor because it fits my theme. It fits my, mm. fits my sailor theme. And, and you can do so much with that regardless, uh, when you start to break down the bounds of my character was this, they became this. How does my background influence how I do this class? Um, and we, I, I truly believe we don't do that enough. Um, but you're also obviously don't have to do that, but I think that it makes your character stand out more because everyone, everyone sees fighters. You're going to remember the fighter swinging an anchor. <laughs> so, so I just uh, want to say that this also, like, as soon as I started reading this, this little character popped in my mind and I just want to share for everyone so that people can steal do. this if they want. Um, either a gold, a kobold or a goblin. I actually imagine like a little lizard folk boy who like, there's this little lizard folk who one day gets rescued by this, by this wizard, but he has absolutely no ability to cast magic. So instead he becomes an artificer and pretends to be a wizard by throwing spell potions. We, we had, we once had a, I love that idea. We once had a player who was a sorcerer, but pretended to be a wizard. Now... You might ask why? What's the, what's the point? Um, because he didn't like being uh, known as a failure, and he went to wizard school to learn magic, 
and failed and couldn't do it and just innately learned how to do things. So we wanted to keep up that make my father proud BS that I successfully became a powerful wizard when he doesn't actually need the books for anything, but he's always carrying <laughs> a stack yeah. of them around. Now I'm thinking about a character concept I saw online of a barbarian who attended wizard school, but he got it on a football scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> amazing excuse me making me giggle there all right uh i think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast don't Don't be be a a dick dick. and you can avoid dickitude by listening to alex and including character themes in your rpgs um garwin says uh my character was a gnome sorcerer that couldn't cast class magic because i didn't have enough charisma so i had to use nothing but innate casting transforming my mouth into a toothy maul what the hell um all right so uh before we close out today you know we love to give away fat loots this week is no different uh this week we are giving away the witch's wood by jordan carmichael a small logging village is coming under attack by animal and plant alike none can enter the goods uh the wood safely except that is for a little girl who can come and go as she pleases and seems to have picked up some odd nursery rhymes along the way i read this adventure and it's got a, a great twist <laughs> that you won't see coming. Uh, all right. Who is our winner today, Alex? Your winner is <laughs> Ferret Snickers. <laughs> Ferret Snickers 20. I love it. If you didn't win... No problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe to our newsletter to be for a chance to win. You will also be given a gift when you sign up for our newsletter. Not only do we send you a list of some of our favorite resources that we use for our D&D games, but you'll also get a free complimentary copy of our best-selling Challenge Accepted. All right. Um, before we close out, Alex, would you like to give yourself another plug? Yes. Hello. My name is Alex Baum, misspelled A-E-L-X-B-O-M-B, because I am incredibly dyslexic. And um, I will actually be, for people who are watching this live, I will actually be live in one hour, uh, six o'clock my time. But in, I guess, 45 minutes, I will be live uh, doing an interactive uh, podcast, just basically like, basically just shooting the shit and talking about stuff. And uh, I have to build a coliseum and I have to make a fight for level 12 players. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, Other than that, I do TikTok, same name, um, A-E-L-X-B-O-M-B. And me and Uskar here uh, say, have a wonderful day. Yes. Please come and check out Initiative and Intrigue. I promise you'll love it. I probably should have plugged that. (laughs) Okay, I got you. Um, you can, uh, part of, uh, not only can you find the link to that on her Twitch, uh, you can also find a playlist on our channel that has those files. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you enjoy the show, want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media and please leave us a review. Yes. I cannot tell you there's leaving a review, whether it's on our show, iTunes across the podcast thing, or one of our products helps us improve. Believe it or not, I read all that shit, and I do take it to heart, um, which is why I think our show has improved over the years, thanks to your feedback. So please do that. I am your host, Justin. 
I am Alex. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. We'll see you all later.